undefeated Fighting Irish Faithful Podcast. Notre Dame is 1-0. Welcome everyone to tonight's episode where we are going to have a bipolar episode. The first half is going to be very frustrating and very emotional and the second half is going to be very positive, very uplifting, very exciting, very fun. We're going to recap Florida State a lot, a lot of the bad, a lot of the good, and then we're going to talk about this team from Toledo, Ohio. So stay tuned, don't go anywhere, pour yourself a drink, let's go Irish. Three wide receivers right, they're going to go for two, back to throw, Walsh looks, 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 has the time, lost the ball, the pass is spinning Dawson throws over receiver in the end zone. Touchdown! Notre Dame! Somehow, the Irish did it! Out of the pack, 30-35! Goodbye, baby! At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10! Five fire rocket touchdown! Irish! Zimikowski looking for a block. Touch to the right to the 40. Gets a block, gets to the 45, 50. Up to the 45, 40, 30, one man to beat, 20, 15, 10. He's done to the five. Touchdown, Irish! What is going on, Fighting Irish Faithful? Welcome to Volume 30. Is the volume really loud on this podcast? It's it's the down arrow on your phone or on your speakers. Welcome to the show, everyone. It's so great to survive Florida State with you. Have you calmed down? Have you just kind of eased back into work? Uh, Just normal fall things? You, You haven't raked your leaves yet, but it's fall right now. And football is back. Notre Dame is back. And we are 1-0. And that is truly what matters. Survive and advance. Remain ranked in the top 10 and actually move up one level. This is Fighting Irish Faithful. You can find me on Twitter at Faithful underscore Irish. On YouTube at Fighting Irish Faithful. Spotify, iTunes, all those good places where you can get your daily dose of Notre Dame football podcasts. The opening song, uh, there is a fun, fun story about that. So it is tight, unless you're a really, unless you're from Connecticut or really a, a hockey advocate, that is a song titled Brass Bonanza. Um, and I felt it was kind of silly with uh, how this episode is going to go tonight. But then also it has, it, it has become something very special in the Fighting Irish Faithful household. So uh, we have a baby in the house, and as every new parent is stressed out with uh, trying to learn how to take care of this new person that you have created, uh, well, okay, let's be honest, the the doc really did all the hard work. I was there at the beginning of his life uh, and there for the birth, but uh, that whole point in the middle, uh, doc uh, definitely pulled her weight, so respect. But uh, anyway, we're now taking care of him, and uh, every new parent is trying to deal with a fussy baby, and, you know, we had heard that if you play loud music or whatever, and so as a kind of just a random Hail Mary pass here, being a little knowledgeable about silly songs and hockey songs, um, I played that song, Brass Bonanza, to the baby, and he kind of quieted down and kind of liked it, so... Um, now he also likes the vacuum cleaner or vacuum, uh, sounds. So there's like an eight hour long track 
saved in my YouTube history of someone vacuuming and the comments are like that house is clean as fuck and very funny things like that. But um, so Brass Bonanza is the song uh, for the baby. But then also now that I'm going to work and I come home, uh, I would get into the tradition of when I get home, I greet the baby, pick up the baby, and we dance in the living room to Brass Bonanza. Just a couple of uh, minutes of me and baby getting together. So that is why uh, we're playing this because baby Irish faithful had his first Notre Dame game versus Florida State and it was a win and it was a pretty epic game. So uh, good job Notre Dame and, and uh, good job baby Irish faithful. So as I mentioned before, uh, it is going to be a two-part episode. This is going to be uh, something kind of like uh, you go to the optometrist and when you uh, first get the uh, your prescription that the doctor is figuring out, uh, it's pretty foggy and crusty and fuzzy and you're straining your eyes and you're also very frustrated because there are bright lights literally shining into your brain and uh, that is uncomfortable. And that is the first part of this episode. Uh, the next part will be a little more fun and very positive because I think there are many things in this game, Notre Dame versus Florida State, that you could go either way. If you look at it one way, it's very painful and very bad and very dark. But if you look at it another way, it's going to be very positive and very good. And I couldn't really pick which way to go, so I'm just going to go right down the middle and split the defense, so to speak. That's another hockey term right at you. All right, no more hockey references for, for the night, even though I love hockey. First things first, our running game sucked in this game. It was terrible. 65 yards, okay? Absolutely atrocious. If you're new to the show, my MO, if I had to sum up this podcast in one thing, other than stats, scotch, and spreadsheets, uh, it would be run the damn ball. Hashtag RTDB. We did not do that at all. We have two great running backs that are coming back, Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, and they didn't do a good job. Now, I also ran track in high school, so maybe running the ball has something to do with that. And I played Z receiver, and we ran the ball in my position, and that was a lot of fun. And I scored a rushing touchdown, never a passing touchdown in high school. Okay, fine. Maybe that's my filter. I'm aware of it. But we did not run the ball well. Whereas on the flip side, Florida State ran for 264 yards, averaging 5.5 yards per rush versus Notre Dame's whopping 1.9 yards per rush. Wow. Um, what also frustrates me is Notre Dame's offense and how they're rushing the football. We are not doing power running. We do not have Marcus Mariota or Vince Young or one of these, name a quarterback that is very mobile and, and good, good. Pick your favorite one. That's not Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn is not that guy. Ian Book was more that guy. Jack Cohn is definitely not that guy. Tyler Buckner, if he was playing, would be that guy. But Jack Cohn, definitely not that guy. So why the hell is Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly calling an offense that is zone read or pass read, whatever you call it? I don't even know what it's called because I don't even like it, all right? But I hate that we're running this kind of zone read offense where he's like reading and he's going to pull the ball out of the running back's gut. No, just hand him the damn ball and run and go. Like, was Florida State doing that? Not really. 
no, I it, they were pulling guards, pulling guys, and they were getting these wide open freaking lanes. That's how they scored their first touchdown. It was a wide open run because three guys also took bad reads and bad steps. But at the same time, they ran the ball significantly better than us. And that and we scored like 30 rushing touchdowns last year. And this game, we only had one. And it was like a two-yard rush that we handed off to Chris Tyree. So respect to, to Chris. But at the same time, this is absolutely atrocious. The next thing I am very concerned about is in the fourth quarter, we had zero points. Zero points. If you're in a close game with a team, especially an away game, you have to score points at the end of the game to win. It's just not going to happen unless they also score zero points and then it's kind of a, a stalemate at that point. But that's not what happened in this game, which I'll touch on later. But we scored zero points in the fourth quarter. That cannot happen. All right. Especially away game, especially an emotionally charged type of game. Next, the defense. And that's going to be the bulk of what I'm going to talk about here. Who here was getting flashbacks to Brian Van Gorder? And if you were not, welcome to Notre Dame football, because in 2016, 2015, we had a terrible defensive coordinator named Brian Van Gorder. The mistakes our defense was making, getting out of position, penetrating the backfield, but always being three steps away or not being able to to get a hold of anyone we were not executing on defense we allowed florida state to amass too many points too many yards and it was like brian van gorder was defensive coordinator now i don't want to be unfair to marcus freeman because it is his first game and i'll I'll give him an attaboy in a few minutes here but i was getting brian van gorder flashbacks and it was very very like ah don't hurt me i was flinching while on my couch it was it was not good at halftime uh i called my brother we're talking over the phone and we are just laying it out ripping the defense you know why are we in this package why are we not in that why are we in a a 4-3 or 3-4 i don't even remember what we were in because i've been drinking scotch here but it's ridiculous we were just in terrible position and a lot of this is probably our frustration as Notre Dame fans is we want to be at an excellent level. We have very experienced players coming back. And the only thing really different is the new coach. And we allow 38 points. Put it another way. Alabama scored less points against Notre Dame last year than Florida State just did. And Alabama was a way better team last year than Florida State was. So what does that mean? Okay, wrap your mind around that. Next, we just watched Georgia and Clemson play the day before. Clemson's a good team. Georgia's a good team. Georgia is a way better team than Clemson. And Georgia right now looks like a way better defense than Notre Dame's defense. So we have a recency bias in what we're seeing here. And it is very frustrating to want to be an elite team at an elite defense, especially after hiring a coach who on defense on paper last year at Cincinnati performed extremely well. And people are printing t-shirts and hashtagging him and all these other beautiful things. And I like Marcus Freeman and I think he represents the program well, and he's a Midwest guy and you know, the players like him and recruiting is getting better. These are all great things. But at the end of the day, you need to execute on the field. 
So yeah, people are going to freak out when they see this shitty performance on defense. And it was shitty. So there was a little bit of a reality check with Marcus Freeman. Hey, it's his first game. Hey, you're at Florida State. They're doing the freaking chop nonstop. And not that that should be an excuse because they've heard it all last two weeks in practice. But your first series, Florida State goes three and out. They lose 10 yards, minus 10 yards. Okay, so everyone's like, yay, here we go. And then our second series, it's another three and out for our defense. So in six plays, Florida State has gone minus 19 yards and punted two times, and we're up seven to zero at this point. Okay, and then right after that, we kind of get this Jekyll and Hyde kind of situation, and we're just trading points back and forth with Florida State. And we, we, we... Florida State had clearly adjusted their offense. They've made improvements. They're like, okay, this is the scheme they're in on defense. All right, we're not going to run these plays. All right, these are going to be your calls. These are going to be your checks. All right, all right, the defenders in this, he's covering the A-gap or whatever he's doing. Florida State clearly made those changes, and the results show it. They started putting up more yards. They started putting up points right after that, and then they exploded in the fourth quarter. And look what happened, right? It was a very close game, and it's a home game for them. In the second half, they score, then we score, right? And we're up 24 to 20. Then, back to back, we have interceptions, followed by touchdowns on the next couple possessions there. And so, this is the point, Notre Dame fans, where I calm down. I'm like, all right, all right, we've, we've, the second quarter and, and the end of the first quarter were a little messy there. All right, Notre Dame's now up 18 points. We've definitely covered the spread. All right, so I can sit back and kind of just focus more on tweeting people and more on Twitter. And I'm just, I I literally felt my body calm down, right? I'm playing with the baby more, right? And the next drive, Florida State, in five minutes and 50 seconds, goes 15 plays and 75 yards and scores, all right? Very long, methodical type of drive, okay? And Notre Dame, at this point, does not put them away, all right? The next three drives, Notre Dame goes punt, punt, and then interception to end regulation because the game was tied at that point, right? So in those three drives, Notre Dame went 13 yards minus one yard and 26 yards for a total of 40 yards in 14 plays. The flip side of that, when Florida State had the ball, they went 209 yards and 37 plays that's crazy the amount of plays time of possession and yardage they did and points 18 points to tie the game at 38 38 at regulation no wonder notre dame fans were freaking out our offense just stopped playing and the defense was like yeah just go right in oh oh you're at home and we're honoring bobby bowden oh go ahead oh and milton milton had some miraculous miracle with his knee and and the mayo clinic miracle and oh look his mom is on tv again espn was loving it oh my god we're freaking out notre dame fans it's just ridiculous i I couldn't stand it 18 points in the fourth quarter Notre Dame, zero points in the fourth quarter. Absolutely atrocious. And then with nine minutes left in the game, Milton comes in and on kind of a fluky play because Jordan Travis 
had uh, his helmet had come off, so so Norvell had to put his backup quarterback in, and then all of a sudden they start moving the ball. Florida State gets a spark, and they end up putting up ten points with him at quarterback. And all of us are just blessing ourselves, making the sign of the cross, getting the holy water out, you know, burning incense, whatever. Just thank God that Nor that Norvell screwed up and didn't ha have him play the whole game. Because I personally think that Milton should have played from start to finish if I was a Florida State fan. No, I'm not. So yay for not listening to me, Florida State coaches. But I mean, he comes in, 19 minutes left in the game. ESPN is drooling. Like, they're showing football, and then let's go show his parents right after that. And then let's talk about his medical history, which seems kind of uh, terrible given uh, medical privacy laws in this day of age. But regardless, um, he's this Mayo Clinic miracle. And then uh, we're reminded again that he had a catastrophic knee surgery and then they get a first down and then, oh, and then did you know he, he almost couldn't walk and, and then, oh, look, uh, he, he throws, you know, a good pass. ESPN, I'm so glad we don't have to listen to them very much this year. Yay for lots of home games in NBC. I can't believe I'm saying that. But definitely NBC is better than watching ESPN at times. This is reminding me of many times where Notre Dame has been up in the fourth quarter and other teams have come back. We've done it at Michigan. We've done it at Stanford. We've lost to Florida State in the Champs Sports Bowl in the 2011 season, okay? We have allowed teams, Brian Kelly at Notre Dame has allowed teams to come back and win. So I do not appreciate this kind of stress, the first game of the season, Notre Dame, stop doing that to me. All right, so we've had our nachos, we had our beer, we calm down, and we get to overtime, and the defense finally stops them. And they did stop them before that, holding them to a field goal, so it was a tie game going into overtime. But this is the kind of anxiety that I was personally feeling, and it was just unacceptable all right we we don't need this stress on game one so that's the bulk of the bad that you can take away from the florida state game once again kelly doesn't have his team prepared uh we almost blow it uh allowing the other team to score more points in the fourth quarter we allow a hostile environment to get the best of us think of it another way notre dame fans is there a more hostile environment this year that notre dame will face no no, there isn't. Virginia Tech, maybe, but no, there is not a more hostile environment this season that we will play, okay? What, Stanford, really? The, the, the goofy Stanford band with their, like, overalls and dancing, you know, drugged-up tree or whatever they have over there? I mean, Stanford, they have smart students, right? But they're fucking weird sometimes. So this game was so bizarre because it had moments of just... Com complete elation where I was just doing a Brian Van Gorder fist pump and then on the other time I'm just like cussing at the TV within reason because I've got a two-month-old next to me. Where do you go Notre Dame fan? Well all I'm gonna do is just go back to the numbers right? We've, we'll put the emotion aside let the numbers do the talking right? That's what we do on this podcast. So one thing of note another last moment of anxiety here is of all of Brian Kelly's opening game wins, this is the closest margin of victory he's ever had. Three points over Florida State in overtime. 
The last overtime opening game was a loss by three points, okay? And there was another three-point loss we had in 2011 versus South Florida, and let's not talk about that. The next closest game we won was a seven-point victory over Michigan to open up the 2018 season. And I remember leaving that game thinking, man, we dominated Michigan front to back, but we only won by a touchdown. So, I mean, really consider it. We lose, we win by three points at Florida State at night when Bobby Bowden had just passed away at the beginning of the year. And let's face it, Florida State is on the up and up. They have a decent coach. Norvell is decent. He's not garbage. And they've had like three terrible seasons in a row after Jimbo Fisher left to where they are now. And so, yeah, we should expect them to be on the rise. They will do better than last season going three and six in the COVID year. Okay. And before that, I don't even know where they were with Willie Taggart, but it was atrocious. So Notre Dame fan don't stress out too much. What's the most important stat? Scoring touchdowns and scoring offense. Notre Dame put 41 points. If I came, forget Florida State. If I told you before the game, Notre Dame is going to score 41 points. How do you feel? You're going to feel great. 41 points. Why? Because that is tied with the national champion average over the last 10 years. Our quarterback, New quarterback, okay, Jack Cohn, eh, you know, he's from Wisconsin. They're not a real big pass-heavy offense. How did he do? He did great. 366 passing yards, four touchdowns, and all four of those touchdowns were to four different people, okay? What did I say last week? I said we needed to execute in the passing game. The passing game had been lacking. I think we have been working on that. And it clearly showed. Mayer, nine catches for 120 yards with a long of 41 yards. And he he had the first touchdown of the game. Kevin Austin, four grabs for 91 yards with a long of 37. He is one of the fastest players on the team. And he was just in perfect position. He ran his route beautifully. He just outmaneuvered the defensive back. And I believe I tweeted something about uh, him being a potential godfather for my son because of his performance on that play. Like, that's that's what drinking does to you during a game. You start thinking of him as a godfather. Kyron Williams was six catches for 83 yards with a long of 55. Joe Wilkins, a completely physical catch, had one catch. His only catch was for a touchdown for 23 yards in the end zone where he just muscled it away from the defensive back of Florida State. Very impressive catch, very athletic play, and really a tribute to Notre Dame strength and conditioning. A very physical, physical catch. Something I haven't seen since like the Michael Floyd, Marie Stovall days. Cone had a 74% completion percentage, and he is now a long bomb threat. As we saw, he meets the criteria I've been looking for. I'm not going to crown him Heisman or anything crazy like that, but he is checking the boxes of things I said, Notre Dame quarterback, Notre Dame offense, you need to work on this. That was done. Let's not argue about it. Let's put it another way, Notre Dame fans. Alabama, everyone's already basically, you know, penciling them into the playoffs at this point, and rightfully so. 
you know, they're a decent team, and we love watching them beat the shit out of Miami. Screw the hurricane. But Bryce Young, the quarterback at Alabama, is very good. But he only threw for 344, only threw for, he only threw for 344 yards, but Cohen threw for 366. Bryce Young had threw four touchdown passes, but to three receivers, whereas Cohen spread it out a little bit more to four different receivers with his four passing touchdowns. Bryce Young had a 71% completion percentage. Jack Cohn had a 74% completion percentage. And the touchdown per attempt ratio, Jack Cohn had 11% versus Bryce Young's 10%. So if you even compare him to the Alabama quarterback, yeah, Cohn did pretty damn good. All right. So be happy with that, Notre Dame fan. Be happy at to that as we move into the season where we start playing shitty teams like Toledo and Purdue. Notre Dame's defense was not completely disappointing. We had three interceptions, one by Clarence Lewis and two by Kyle Hamilton. The Green Power Ranger showed up. He's getting all this love as he rightfully deserves preseason, you know, uh, I, what's the guy on ESPN, the the uh, NFL draft dude? I don't even know his name, but they're already predicting him to be a you know top ten NFL draft pick, top five even I've seen. But as soon as Kyle Hamilton gets his second interception, you know he flies across the field, catches it, and it was it was very athletic, and he was just jacked up, and he takes his helmet off, and he gets a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. I was so elated with happiness at this point i don't quote too much twitter here but i go on twitter and i type in the green power ranger doesn't give two shits about your sportsmanlike conduct bullshit an evil witch created me but now i serve our ladies university i i was that just sums up my emotion at that point of the game so Kyle Hamilton, you are confirmed as my favorite player on Notre Dame's team. The toast is to you. Two interceptions, very athletic, excellent performance. Uh, we had a scoop and score by Mr. Foskey, although it was called back because Florida State's quarterback knee was down before he dropped the ball. So the, the officials made the right call, but it was really fun to, to be cheering for a potential scoop and score by the defense in game one so that was good people were on that play in a good position kicking jonathan door was 100 percent. he was five of five from pat and had two field goals he had a long of 48 and he did hit the game winning field goal from 41 yards out this game was a shootout and i don't want it to be a big 12 party with chips and salsa and you know just touchdowns and no defense right but let's face it, if you're in a shootout, you need a good kicker. And if you're in a shootout, you need to obviously score more points. And Notre Dame did that. So we're in a shootout, and hey, we performed well, and we won. So good job, Notre Dame. The last shootout we probably had with a team was Clemson. That was a pretty good one. And then before that was Texas in 2016, which we lost, which was an away game. So to have a shootout on the road and come out with a victory is a good thing. It was also very good to see Kelly get pissed. Uh, the roughing the punter 
was complete garbage officiating by the ACC. But Kelly just laced into them. He had to have two assistant coaches, you know, hold him back and grabbing him and he's throwing the headset or whatever he's doing. And it was really good to see Kelly have that passion uh, directed in defending our players and at the refs for making a shitty, shitty call. I think he could have been a little more engaging at times, which you can check my Twitter at faithful underscore Irish, where I talk about this more. Um, but at the end of the game, and I'm not going to talk about the stupid execution thing because that was a joke, but what I am taking away from that interview is that Kelly, after the game, is talking about his team did not play like champions. They did not play at the standard that he is expecting. He is not happy with his team's performance against Florida State and their level of execution, and so therefore he is demanding excellence and he wants our team to be performing at the championship level. This is ex- he's he's saying this and I'm just like, "Yes. Yes. Yes." And this is the kind of stuff we need our head coach to do. This is the mindset. This is the mantra. This is the focused energy we need from BK. So, do that. Do that well, coach. Keep that intensity coming. I don't care if you execute the team. Get it done. 21 points in the third quarter. That's a shit ton of points in one quarter, and we did that. So good on you, Notre Dame, and holding Florida State to six. So very good. And then last but not least, yards per point. The stat I talk about every week, Notre Dame, their yards per point was 10.5. Now Florida State was up there as well, but not nearly as good as Notre Dame's. But the national championship average over the last 10 years is 11.8. So better than national champion average for yards per point. Last year versus Florida State, a game Notre Dame won 42-26. to Clearly a solid victory. Notre Dame's yard per point average was 13.2. So Notre Dame's offense is performing at a higher efficient level. And that is why they won this game. It's not necessarily the points they put up, but the efficiency of how they put those points up ensured that they beat Florida State. The defense also came in with some some big stops at the time, right at the last moment, but we got it done, and the yards per point is an indicator of that positive performance. Florida State is, is a good team. This game went up and down the way a good game is supposed to. Notre Dame is clearly a better team, and so we were all a little disappointed with that. But um, let's face it, Florida State has good players. They have good players. This is probably the second best team we're going to play from a talent standpoint. Best would be USC. All right. Um, So it's really nice to beat a team, to overcome the chop, and this is the most hostile environment we are facing all year so notre dame leaves with a victory we get out of florida at night which is always scary florida at night for notre dame because it has not always been a positive friendly thing for notre dame and now we head safely back home to comfortable south bend in the comfortable midwest and we're gonna face the toledo rockets toledo is coming off a 49 to 10 victory over norfolk state 
I don't know where State of Norfolk is. I don't really care. Um, but they are coached by Jason Candle, who's now entering his sixth season. Uh, he has a 65% win percentage, which is actually pretty good. He won the MAC championship in 2017. He is the coach that replaced Matt Campbell. And Matt Campbell is now the head coach at Iowa State. Uh, so he's been there a few years and is actually uh, maintaining some excellence uh, to the degrees of Toledo um, down there in the MAC. Um, but Brian Kelly clearly is a better coach. He has more experience. He has a better win percentage. Kelly's uh, record at Notre Dame is 72.5%. Kelly clearly has better players, average of 13 over the last four years as far as player talent ranking versus Toledo's average of 71 Notre Dame's ranked 26th in Sagarin, Toledo's 53. Notre Dame's strength of schedule after one game is 53, but Toledo's is 208. It's absolutely terrible. So I don't put a whole lot of stock in the uh, challenge that Norfolk State gave. Uh, they also had two turnovers in that game. So uh, Toledo, yeah, you better beat Norfolk State. Notre Dame moves up to 8th. And seventh in the AP and coaches poll, respective. So, uh, surprisingly, Notre Dame only has an 81% to uh, likelihood of beating Toledo, which is kind of low. It seems it seems it'd be in the 90s, but it is what it is. I don't I don't work in Vegas. I don't do the sports odds. But the spread is 17 points. Notre Dame's getting 17 points uh, expected over Toledo. So. Uh, they need to cover that. You know, I mean, I'm a broken record. I say that every week. Yeah. Oh, you got to cover the spread. Yeah, you also got to win. So, um, at the end of the day, we got to win. Uh, reminder, everyone: the game is not on NBC. The game is on Peacock. Damn it, Joe! Yeah, this is annoying. I really don't like all these streaming services we have right now. I mean, I can't watch The Mandalorian unless I subscribe to Disney Plus, and I can't watch, you know this that or the other unless i have an apple tv or whatever it is okay and i don't have an apple tv honestly notre dame with how big of a brand they are how big they are how recognized they are are we surprised that this game that's it's it's literally the quote worst game notre dame is playing this year it's toledo okay no navy has probably worse talent but it's the naval academy so if you don't like it you know you're kind of labeled as un-american or whatever you know but but i respect navy and a lot of people do respect the naval academy and their football team and the and the excellence and the performance that ken niamatololo has done over at the naval academy so i'm not surprised that this game and nbc's trying to launch peacock they're trying to compete with hbo plus and disney plus and discovery plus and do I just have to have Fighting Irish Faithful Plus? You know, I don't know. Hey, if I get, you know, 10 bucks a month from everybody, I need to do a lot more uh, podcasting probably. But regardless, we're not surprised that this has finally happened to Notre Dame. We've been living, quite frankly, as spoiled rich kids with uh, our games always being on primetime, having the sweetheart NBC deal um, as an independent team, and... I'm not surprised that it has to go to now a streaming service for one game. Now, I personally don't have to pay. Well, that's not true. I am paying for it with my Comcast Xfinity cable subscription. 
but they also have really high-speed internet where I live in Indiana. But the point is, I'm not surprised this has happened, okay? And there's probably some great golf game or tennis match or figure skating or whatever going on NBC at that same time. So, hey, let's put it on Peacock because whatever other shows they have on that, which I have no idea, um, hey, let's, we can make some money out of this. So it's probably a money grab, but really, if that's your complaint, Notre Dame fan, like, go to your closet. How much Notre Dame shit do you own? Like, really, you're going to bitch about bring some of your friends over y'all split the money and you'll spend a lot more on beer for this game than you ever will for peacock so i'm not justifying it i don't like it but i'm also not gonna bitch and moan about it either uh i'm gonna i'm really excited for this game uh i've got family coming into town my folks uh my brother um they're coming to see the baby really uh but it'll be fun to watch the game together as a family um with the doc and with baby irish faithful good times uh in store especially for a victory so one last thing i want to leave you all with today uh well it's now the uh, ninth but the eighth was the nativity of our lady uh it was uh, her birthday uh on uh, today so um happy birthday to our lady notre dame our mother thank you everyone for joining me uh, the game's on peacock don't forget it's i think it's also on t at 2 30 not 3 30 eastern so uh make sure you check your uh t your uh your schedule there accordingly where you live thank you for joining me thank you for all the facebook live guys who are checking this out and uh go irish beat rockets